All the best music, sports, and podcasts right now on FAULradio.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Below the Yellow Line podcast. I am your host, Joe Landy Pavlon. Steve Rada, my co-host, is unable to join us today, so it's just me and um, this may be our last podcast of this spring 2023 semester. Today is Tuesday, May, May 2nd, obviously. I wasn't able to come onto the show yesterday because the NASCAR Cup Series race at Dover was washed out on Sunday, and I didn't want to go on this podcast until having the opportunity to talk about the Cup race, so gave it an extra day, and, you know, my finals. Hope you guys here at FAU are doing well at your finals, and also, a uh, big time congratulations to the class of 2023. Um, just very uh, exciting for those students who get to walk across the stage and uh, achieve a huge accomplishment of just being any college graduate. That is an extreme accomplishment. So congratulations to all of our class of 2023 graduates here at FAU. Let's go ahead and get into uh, right off the bat. We're going to start off with the cup race. Um, just a little rundown today. We got the cup series um, at Dover. Uh, we'll also get into the NASCAR Xfinity series and Arkham Menard series East races that happened on that rainy weekend. We'll dive into the Formula One Azerbaijan Grand Prix with some Formula Two that's uh, spiced up the. Uh, the recipe that happened on Sunday in our first sprint race of the year. We'll talk about the IndyCar Alabama Grand Prix as we now roll into the month of May. And I'll talk about what's there to expect for the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500 race. We'll get into a little bit of MotoGP. Um, sports car racing with the FIA World Endurance Championships last round before the 100th anniversary, 24 hours of Le Mans, which was the six hours of Spa's past weekend. Now, all the teams in the WEC are focused specifically on the biggest race of the year, Le Mans, coming this summer. And um, we'll talk about some other interesting uh, things to look for in uh, the world of racing. And this week specifically is a special week for South Florida in racing, as it is going to be the second running of the Formula One Miami Grand Prix coming to the streets of Miami Gardens at the Miami Autodrome, which surrounds the home of the Dolphins at Hard Rock Stadium. Personally, I was there last year. It was a lot of money. It was hard to stay hydrated, but I recommend you, if you have the opportunity to go to this race, go, because it's hard enough for any Formula One um, year to come to your town this close, take advantage. That's what I said. That's what that was my mentality last year for the inaugural running of the Miami Grand Prix. Anyways, let's uh first of all get right back into the NASCAR discussion here. But Dover, one trip around the year, pushed over to Monday due to rain, qualifying washed out, practice almost washed out. And would you know it, Martin Truex Jr. breaks a 54-race winless streak dating back to September of 2021 at Richmond. That's his fourth win at Dover. He's the winningest active driver there, if I'm not mistaken. Could be Kyle Busch. Um, I might be wrong on that. It might be Martin Truex Jr. The site of his first career win, this is his home track. Um, MTJ from Maine New Jersey. And lots, lots to celebrate for when it comes to the Truex family and Joe Gibbs Racing. The brother, Ryan Truex, his brother, after 13-plus years of racing in the NASCAR Xfinity Series at the track that he saw his first career win 11 years ago slip away, redeems himself and gets that win in NASCAR for the first time. Congratulations to Ryan Truex. We'll get to Xfinity in a bit. Let's talk about Sunday here. Martin Truex Jr., the minute I heard the race was going to be pushed to Monday— I knew damn well that Martin Truex Jr., or should I say Monday Truex Jr., was going to go to victory lane because um, three of his four wins at Dover, including his very first career victory with a struggling Dale and Hart Incorporated team in 2007, came on a Monday. 
And that's pretty, uh, pretty, uh, surreal, I would say. Let's get into the results, though. And, and I knew that qualifying wasn't going to really play a role in this race because since it was washed out, we we're going to see a lot of shuffling positions, the competition caution, a lot of strategies just throwing caution to the wind. We didn't know what was going to happen until about the end of stage two, who our real players were. Martin Truex Jr. led 68 of the 400 laps. He started mid-pack at 17th. This win is his uh, 32nd of his career. Your 2017 champion goes to victory lane for the first time since September of 2021, and he damn sure earned it. Second place, Ross Chastain. He won stage two. Ross Chastain was a very good driver throughout this race. He did run into some controversy um, with the incident involving Kyle Larson and Brennan Poole, but Ross had a really good car. The team uh, at Trackhouse put him on a four-tire call at that last caution and I thought he was going to possibly reach Martin Truex Jr. because you really need those tires at Dover. But after a short green flag run, or actually, no, green flag, short green flag run after the last pit stop cycle, bring out the caution with, I think, about just over 10 to go. That's when I knew that if Ross gets held up by a slight margin, he would run out of laps. And that's the case. He did run out of laps to catch... Um, Martin Truex Jr. and Martin Truex Jr. takes the win. Ross led 98 laps, though, and this was a good showing. He does extend that points lead, or, or I'm saying not extend. He retakes the points lead from Christopher Bell. Um, we'll get into him in a bit. Ryan Blaney, another driver whose drought continues. Oh, what's it going to take for him to get back to victory lane? He finished and started in third place. William Byron led the most laps, more than any other driver, winning stage one and leading 193 laps. And he comes home in fourth. Chris, for Bell, um, I'm sorry, Danny Hamlin in fifth. He led for four laps. Christopher Bell, sixth led lap. He was gridded second when the rain came. Uh, that washed out qualifying. Let's go down the order. Tyler Reddick in seventh. Brad Keselowski, a nice run for Brad Keselowski. He led eight laps, was in the front. One of the very few cars to stay on the lead lap in this race. Um... He just did a brilliant job all around. Well done to Brad Keselowski coming home in eighth. He started fourth. He had a very good car all race long. Same with his teammate, Chris Buescher, who, um, who was out there starting fifth. He finished in ninth. Um, and rounding out the field, well done to Josh Berry. He leads three laps in this race. His first ever laps led in the Cup Series, filling in for the injured Alex Bowman. Alex Bowman injured in that sprint car crash last Wednesday. Um, he's expected to sit out for at least five to six weeks. Um, so whether I'm able to come back in the studio or not, uh, we don't. We do know that he's going to be out of a car for a long time. And for the time being, Josh Berry will fill that void just like he did for Chase Elliott. Elliott finished in 11th outside the top 10 in his second race back. Our third race back, I should say. Bubba Wallace in 12th was the last car to finish on the lead lap. 12 cars on the lead lap. Ty Gibbs was trapped the lap down right as that last caution came out when Joey Logano's uh, car expired and just crashed into the turn three wall, um, ending his day. That also ended Ty Gibbs' chance to get himself back on the lead lap. He was looking for a very, a very interesting uh, turn of events that happened to Ty Gibbs. He could have gotten that... Uh, his career best finish of seventh or sixth. He was really good in this one, but it just didn't go his way. Corey LaJoy, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. running out the top 15. Then we have Eric Jones, Ryan Priest, AJ Allmendinger, Kevin Harvick, and uh, Harrison Burton running out the top 10. We had Kyle Busch, who was gridded on pole, leading for 25 laps. He was involved in a mid-race accident, and it never really worked out for him. He didn't get the chance to recover. Let's just go down the results real quick because I want to tell you guys what the breaking news is, what the uh, breaking news is here in the NASCAR world. Because this just came out. Michael McDowell, Justin Haley, Eric Almirola, Todd Gillen, uh, just an awful race for Austin Dillon. He definitely is going to tank in the points. Never had a good car from the start. Then we got Kyle Larson. He's going to tank in the points. Joey Logano, same situation here. Noah Gragson just can't seem to catch a break in his rookie year. Um, and Daniel Suarez was also wiped out in an accident. Here's the point standings. We're going to get into this real quick. 
Ross Chastain is now ahead by three points over Christopher Bell, Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex Jr., Ryan Blaney, Tyler Reddick, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, Brad Keselowski, and Kyle Larson are your top 10. And the news that made my phone go off that I want to talk about just for a brief moment, and it's kind of interesting that, you know, we're in this discussion, Legacy Motor Club, the team owned by legendary drivers Richard Petty and Jimmy Johnson and Maurice Gallagher announced that they will move to Toyota starting in 2024 and drivers Noah Gregson and Eric Jones will return to the team. This means that Toyota will get their third factory supported team joining the likes of Joe Gibbs Racing and 2311 Racing. What does this mean for Toyota and NASCAR? This is pretty good for them because since the downfall of Michael Walter Racing, TRD never really had that opportunity to have a secondary fixture in the sport for a long time. When Michael Walter Racing left, the void that was filled really, in my opinion, was Furniture Row Racing, but they also took a different business approach with it as the charter system came along. Yes, they did rely a little bit more on another team than they used to when they had to rely on Joe Gibbs Racing during that time. And yes, they did win the championship, but it wasn't enough for them to stay in the sport long-term. And after 2018, the, 2018, the Colorado-based team that did the unthinkable just a year prior had to close their doors. And in 2019 and 2020, we saw... The part-time team, Gump Brothers Racing, which is owned by Canadian, I think, TJ Kennington. I might be wrong on that, but Canadian group of owners that would show up for the big races. Um, they actually tried to amp it up to a full-time year in 2020 with Daniel Suarez. and 21 with Ty Dillon, those did not really work out too well, did they? Um, and then we had Levine Family Racing that said, okay, another single-car team will take over. Put Matt Benedetto, then Christopher Bell, and... They just couldn't handle the the, the uh, size of the sport after uh, COVID hit, and they had to wipe their hands clean. But funny enough, that was the time when 2311 Racing came around and joined the sport. But you also got to realize that Toyota, since they developed, since they started uh, racing in the Cup Series in 2007, they've always had multiple teams. Michael Walter Racing in their debut year was the headlining Toyota team. Bill Davis Racing would always have the one-car effort and struggle to keep a second car on the grid, and sometimes a third, usually, on some races. But generally a one-car team. Michael Waltrip Racing, they had problems just doing it right in the sport. Uh, MWR, and then, oh, how could I forget Red Bull Racing coming into NASCAR? Yeah, the Formula One team. The world-class Formula 1 team, way before they broke out in F1, they had a little run in NASCAR. During their uh, infant years in F1, they were in NASCAR. And that went through until tw 2011. And they got really good about 2009 and 2010. When, you know, they, you know, they had to wait it out, get those cobwebs cleared with Brian Vickers in that opening year. And, you know, AJ Allmendinger, yeah, that was a bad deal. But you know what? Red Bull effectively found their way successfully into the sport. Casey Kane. You know, they got some good drivers there. But the problem with all these teams is that they had issues with their own stability, their own business models. They were unable to go through the rocky roads of the sport and come out okay. Maybe Michael Walter Racing would be like that. And I'm talking about teams other than Joe Gibbs Racing here. Um, when Joe Gibbs Racing came around... That's when Toyota inevitably took off because they were looking for that long-term juggernaut team to come into the, the loop and bring them to the next level. And Joe Gibbs Racing did that in 2008. While the other Toyota teams that were there the year before in 07 were still struggling, but doing a little bit better as the years went on. Apology with the mic. Um, my hand motions. The problem with Toyota and NASCAR, and this is just my humble opinion during the mid-2010s, was that they were in a situation where 
it was really a one team, one size fits all situation. And TRD had to find a good secondary team that can be factory supported that will stay for a long time. When Michael Walter Bracing had that scandal in 2013, they never recovered. And inevitably, they left the sport after 2015. Leaving Gibbs really as the only powerhouse, especially when the only single car teams would tag along and use the Gibbs resources. 2311 is finally changing that. But I think Legacy Motor Club is going to benefit from this because, let's be real, there are too many Chevrolet teams in the sport. Um, obviously, we think of Hendrick Motorsports as the top dogs. And then we think of Richard Childress Racing, usually second fiddle. Maybe Trackhouse Racing would be third on that list. Usually the Legacy Motor Club or the GMS team would be fourth fiddle. JTG Doherty Racing now back to a single car team for the uh, second year in a row. You get where I'm coming from here? Chevrolet's got a lot of teams. Colleague Racing. Can't forget about them. I think that's about it. They used to have Stuart Haas Racing. They switched after 16 to Ford, and that's where they've been since. You look at Ford, you know, Ford has multiple factory-supported teams. You know, on the top, you think of Team Penske, you think of Stuart Haas Racing, and then maybe RFK Racing, which they'll be Ford Loyalists, you know, as long as Jack Grouch is going to be involved in this uh, team. And then you get, you get to Front Row Motorsports. That's about it. And then Toyota is Joe Gibbs Racing. Then beneath them, 2311 Racing. And I still think that 2311 Racing is going to be up ahead of Legacy Motor Club. Because obviously when you're in a new manufacturer, you got to get your feet wet. You really have to know what 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 tools you're working with, but who the people around you got to, you know, gotta, you got to uh, do business and um, get the engines from. And, you know, TRD is a great program. I think they're even, I still think they're a lot better as an NASCAR program in the lower divisions and Xfinity and trucks, and that's in terms of quantity, but especially in trucks. And I think they're just fine in the post-Kyle Busch Motorsports era. I already talked about that. In the Cup Series, this is good for Toyota. Now they have three teams just like Hendrick, or not just Hendrick, just like Chevrolet, just like Ford. They're going to be in this for the long run, and Toyota is here to stay. And yeah, I know we always had the, the rumors saying, oh, well, what about Dodge or Honda or Nissan or some of these other brands that people always talk about when they think of manufacturers not involved in the sport that could either come back or make a uh, debut appearance in. But listen, good on them. That tells me, you know, Jimmy Johnson, he's ready to move on. I'm, I'm sure that Chevrolet is always going to be you know, loyal to him. But... Jimmy's now going to get some opportunities. Maybe he can run some uh, run the Rolex and the Lexus. You never know in the Rolex 24 in the GT3 car. I, I'm just fantasizing because, you know, I'm a personally, as you if you know me, you know, I'm a Toyota guy. My whole family, we drive the Lexus uh, cars. Uh, like, so this is like, it's, it's heartwarming for me to see this, but we got to talk about the races over this past weekend. Uh, we still have to talk about some Xfinity Series racing. We have another Truex to get involved with in terms of a discussion here. Um, all right, so the uh, Xfinity Series, they're going to have a week off after this one, but what happened on Saturday, Ryan Truex finally, 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 damn finally, nine seasons in the last 13 years, 89 starts, 30 Top 10s, 8 top 5s, a pole, 191 laps, and he finally gets his first career win in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, driving for Joe Gibbs Racing, his brother's team, his big brother, who convinced Coach to put Ryan in the Xfinity car for some races, especially Dover, and it paid off. Just like the old times when he was a development driver for Toyota, going between Michael Waltrip Racing and um, Joe Gibbs Racing. Ryan Truex swept both stages after starting 12th on the grid. He led 124 of the 200 laps. And it was a great sight to see. 
as a fan of so many years, seeing him struggle and, you know, not wonder if he's ever going to get the same opportunity to even win a race again. Good for him. I'm so happy he finally gets to uh, unlock that achievement in his racing career. Josh Berry finished second. Justin Allgaier third. Austin Hill, who led 18 laps, finished fourth. John Hunter Nemechek rounding out the top five with teammate Sammy Smith behind. Cole Custer, who started second left for 13 laps. Brandon Jones starting to finish eighth. Sam Mayer started mid-pack, comes up to finish ninth. And Daniel Hemrick rounding out the top 10. Sheldon Creed had an interesting fuel strategy called uh, by, the, by the Childers team. It just didn't work out. He ran about shy in the closing 10 laps. Had a pit, led for 41 laps. First car a lap down. Let me just go to another order. Kyle Weatherman led for uh, two laps in the Hour of Motorsports car. If we go down the order, 34 cars finished the race. And pole sitter Parker Kligerman was involved in that uh, lap 62 crash where he got taken out. Very unfortunate deal for Parker Kligerman. So standings, going into this off week, Austin Hill does remain in the points lead, but now the gap is four points over John Hunter Nemechek. Chandler Smith is in third. Josh Berry in fourth. Justin Allgaier rounding the top five. Cole Custer, Sheldon Creed, Riley Herbst, Sammy Smith, and Daniel Hemrick rounding out the top ten. Uh, so there you see where everybody's at. And Brandon Jones drops to twelfth, uh, but he's st he's going to climb that ladder for sure. And we're going to talk some ARCA East. Uh, Toyota did sweep the weekend. It was um, Jake Finch who drove for uh, Venturini Motorsports in a very feisty closing restart in the last two laps between himself and Landon Lewis, a dirt track driver. They went neck and neck to the line. But in the end, Jake Finch got his first career ARCA East Series victory. Well done to him and the Finch family. Nice to see them back in the sport. Remember the old uh, Phoenix racing team, not to be confused with the Audi GT3 program. Anyways, um, let's get into Formula One. I know I don't have too much time here. This is a Tuesday. The... Formula One Azerbaijan Grand Prix happened this past weekend. And I guess the king of the streets, as we're going to call him now, Sergio Perez, taking home the victory. Because I hear people just screaming for no reason outside. Brilliant. Sergio Perez got his sixth career win um, after leading from lap 10 to the end, taking over from his teammate. The sprint race was won by Sergio Perez himself. On Saturday, pole sitter was uh, Charles Leclerc. On Sunday, it was again Perez over Verstappen. Verstappen finishing second. Max Verstappen, who started second in the grid as well. Charles Leclerc, who started on pole, finished third. Fernando Alonso, fourth. So Red Bull gets double points, first and second. Carlos Sainz gets Ferrari double points. Mercedes Lewis Hamilton in sixth. Lance Stroll in seventh. George Russell double points for Mercedes. So Aston Martin uh, also get double points. Lando Norris gets in the points. Well done for him. Um, by the way, Russell did get the fastest lap at the final lap of the race. And Yuki Tsunoda gets the last point position. Who fell short? Oscar Piastri by a point. By a position, he loses out on the last point. Alexander Albon, Kevin Magnussen, Pierre Gasly, Espan Ocon, Logan Sargent. So no points for Alpine. No points for Haas. No points for uh, Williams. And no points for Alfa Romeo uh, Sauber. The championship standings uh, after this race of the World Championship... The World Drivers' Championship after round four of 23. Going into the Miami Grand Prix this weekend, Max Verstappen leads the way. 
93 points, Sergio Perez in second with 87 points. In third place, Fernando Alonso with 60 points, his first not podium race of the year. Lewis Hamilton in fourth with 48 points. Carlos Sainz Jr. in fifth with 34 points. Charlotte Claire in sixth with 28 points. George Russell in seventh with 28 points, but loses the countback tiebreaker. Lance Stroll with 27 points in eighth. Lando Norris in ninth with 10 points. And Nico Hulkenberg rounds out the top 10 with six points. By the way, only Logan Sargent and Nick DeVries are yet to score points as far as the drivers who have raced in this year's World Championship. Pretty impressive on the closeness of the grid. The World Constructors Championship standings look like this after four races. With Red Bull being perfect four for four, they have a big lead at 180 points Almost a full 100-point gap, just four races in. Aston Martin, Aramco, Mercedes with 87 points in second, but Mercedes is catching up. They have 76 points right now. Scuderia Ferrari with 62 points, still struggling to get the double points finishes. Azerbaijan was a good look. McLaren, Mercedes, almost double points. They are at 14. That's your top five. Alpine Renault in sixth right now with eight points. Haas Ferrari in seventh with seven points. With six points is Alfa Romeo Sauber Ferrari. With two points is Alfa Tori Honda RBPT. And in 10th point is Williams Mercedes with just one point coming from Albon in the opener. The Miami Grand Prix is coming up this weekend. Um, it's going to be fun to watch. We'll get into that in a bit. Uh, later on our, on our podcast, um, let's continue on with some Formula 2. This was EBC to cover. The uh, Formula 2 Azerbaijan Grand Prix weekend was swept. A nice sweep by Oli Berman. The 17-year-old Clemsford native got himself his first two career wins off the bat. Off the bat. In Baku. And here are the points as they are getting their this obvious weekend they're getting off in Miami. Terra Porcher, championship leader by three points over Frederick Vesti. Uh, Yumi Wasa with 58 points. Oli Berman hops to fourth with 41 points, breaking the tiebreaker with Chris Maini, also with 41 points. Dennis Hauger, Arthur Leclerc, Ralph Boshog, Dion DeRuvola, and Enzo Fittipaldi rounding out the top 10. The team standings right now in the hands of Primo Racing, Dom in second, Art Grand Prix in third, Capos Racing fourth, and MP Motorsports in fifth. So we'll see them again in Imola. Uh, let's let's move on and uh, talk about some IndyCar because we did have the uh, Children's of Alabama Grand Prix where we got to see Scott McLaughlin get his fourth career win and first of the year, Team Penske coming up close. And man, Roman Grosjean was close for his first career win once again. From the pole, he was just up there for 57 of the uh, laps, 90 laps, and uh, he was classified in second on the podium. Will Power, your two-time champion, rounding up the podium in third. Paddle Award in fourth. Alex Palau in fifth. Christian Lungard, Scott Dixon, Alexander Rossi, Felix Rosenfist, and his countrymate Marcus Erickson rounding out the top 10. So we now enter the month of May. This is the time of the year for the Indianapolis 500 stuff to really begin the point standings for the 2023 IndyCar Series Championship after the round at Birmingham. Um, Marcus Erickson has a three-point lead over Paddle Award. Behind Award is Alex Palau, who now jumps to third after that race. The 2021 champion at 121 points. Scott McLaughlin, your winner from Sunday, moves up to fourth. Four points over Roman Grosjean who is back in the top five with two podiums in a row. Joseph Newgarden, Will Power, Scott Dixon, Kyle Kirkwood, and Colton Herta round out the top 10. Next weekend is the Indianapolis Grand Prix in the month of May. And after that, the Indy 500 festivities begin. The 107th Indy 500. I want to talk about it just for a little bit right now. Uh, I don't have too much time, but I will say that... um,
that we have, what, 34 entries. We had testing last uh, week where Joseph Newgarden was fastest over Connor Daly and Scott Dixon. The open test the following day was washed out due to rain. So the schedule is going to look like this. Um, we're going to have the GMR Grand Prix next weekend. And beginning on May 16th will be practice um, for three days specifically. And then practice on what's called Fest Friday. Time trials begin on the 20th, which is a Saturday. And then the 21st, we're going to find out our bumping. There will be one car bumped out of the 500. 33 cars make it on the grid. Um, we know how that open playing field works. So the 20th and the 21st, we'll find out our grid. Our 33 cars will be determined then. And then after that, it's the 22nd. Right after that, we get practice. On the week of the Indy 500, there are two practice uh, days, Monday and Friday. Friday's a specific one called Carb Day. And Carb Day involves a pit stop challenge that has dated back to 1977, along with a final practice session. The Saturday on the 27th includes the very famous Indianapolis 500 parade, the festival parade. And of course, on the 28th is the 100th seventh running of the Indianapolis 500 race. I just want to go off some of the entries real quick. Um, just by order, Joseph Newgarden at Penske, McLaughlin at Penske, Award and Rosenquist at McLaren, Castro Nevis at Meyer Shank Racing, a four-time winner. Alexander Rossi at Errol McLaren, a one-time winner. Marcus Erickson, Scott Dixon at Chip Ganassi Racing, one-time winners. Alex Palau, at Chip Ganassi Racing, Takuma Sato at Chip Ganassi Racing, a, a two-time winner. Will Power at Team Penske, a one-time winner. Santino Ferrucci, AJ Ford Enterprises. Graham Rahal, Rahal Lenderman Lanigan Racing. David Lucas at Del Coin Racing with HMD Motorsports. Connor Daly at Ed Carpenter Racing. Renas VK at Ed Carpenter Racing. Ryan Hunter Ray, one-time winner at Dryer and Ryan Bull Racing. Stefan Wilson, a Dryer Ride Bowl Racing with Kusick Motorsports. Colton Herta, Kyle Kirkwood, Roman Grosjean, Devlin DeFrancesco, and Andretti Autosport. Jack Harvey at Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing. Ed Carpenter at Ed Carpenter Racing. Catherine Legg at Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing. Christian Lungard at Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing. R.C. Anderson at Able Motorsports. Stingray Rob at Delcoin Racing with Rick Rear Racing. Benjamin Peterson at AJ Fort Enterprises. Simon Pagano at Meyer Shank Racing, a one-time winner. Tony Kanan at Aero McLaren, a one-time winner. This is his farewell year. Callum Island at Hunkos Hollinger Racing. Augustin Canapino at Hunkos Hollinger Racing. And Marco Andretti at uh, Andretti Autosport. So there you have it. Um, 34 cars, 34 cars, one goes home. It's going to be interesting to watch. Um, I probably, I won't be able to cover it, uh, here at L radio, but there's a great chance I might be there in person on the day of the Indy 500 attending it with my buddy, Herbert Solomon, who was there last year. It was actually hanging with the Castroneves team. Can Elio Castroneves be the first driver in history to win the Indianapolis 500 five times? I personally don't know. I don't know if it's going to happen, but you can never rule it out. It seems like with the Indy 500, it's such an open playing field when you are when you have a good car, have a good run, you have good speed, anything is possible. With that out of the way, um, the Indianapolis 500, there's still two races away in the IndyCar Championship. They have to go through the Indy Grand Prix first on the 13th before we get into any of that discussion. So let's move on to MotoGP. I don't have time to talk about it, but congratulations to um, Francesco Bagnaia on winning the Spanish Grand Prix. And it was a pretty controversial one on the Quattro penalty and the red flag and all that stuff. But 
that's that. Let's get into endurance racing. So sports car racing, the last dance in the WEC before the 100th anniversary, 24 hours of Le Mans coming up in June. Um, we had the six hours of spa, the last rehearsal in the world championship before Le Mans. And it was Toyota again. They go three for three. This time the seven gets it <clears throat> of Conway, Kobayashi, and Lopez at 148 laps at Spa Franco Shop over number eight. Boeme, Hartley, and Hirakawa in second. The gap was <clears throat> 11 second margin of victory. Ferrari AF Corsa make the podium for the second time this year. In three races, number 51, driving by Alessandro Piaguidi, James Collado, and Antonio Giovinazzi, who originally had the pole time, but it was disallowed after he breached the uh, track limit rule during his pole lap. <clears throat> Porsche Penske Motorsport, number five of Dan Cameron, Michael Christian, and Frederick Makovicki, finishing in fourth. <clears throat> Looked like the podium was possible, but the grip just wasn't there for them to hold on to that spot. And fifth place was number two, Cadillac Chip Ganassi Racing. And sixth place overall. In their debut, Porsche customer team, Hertz Team Joda, got to finish a lap down in sixth overall. Well done to them. Congrats to the, those guys. Proud of them. Got to meet them. Got to meet the crew at Sebring. They definitely earned this one. In the other classes, uh, Team WRT with Rui Andrade, Libby Dettletras, and Robert Kubica took home the win in LMP2 over... Uh, Ollie Jarvis, Josh Pearson, Tom Blomquist, Albert Costa, Jakub Smiskowski, and Fabian Schirer, um rounding out the class podium for inter Europol competition. Prema Racing number nine in fourth, and, it, and United Autosports running out the uh, top five. For LMP2. Let's go down to uh, the other uh, cars in the classes. In LMGTE, it was uh, number 83, AF Corsa Ferrari, at 140 laps with drivers uh, Alessio Rivera, Luis Perez Compact, and Leo Wadiu taking the win in the Ferrari 488 GTE Evo. And with this, Lilu Wadiu becomes the first female driver to win in any category in the World Endurance Championship. Um, so congratulations to... Uh, her on making that uh, history column hers. We knew that was coming inevitably this year. Unfortunately for Corvette, their chance to go three for three perfect in 2023 falls one spot short. Ben Kenny, Nico Vayon, and Nick Kotzberg finishing in second on the same lap. Only the top three in LMGTM. Finished on the same lap. Third place was uh, Oman Racing Team by uh, TF Sport, Aston Martin, with Ahmad Al Harthi, Michael Dynan, and, Cl and uh, Clint Eastwood. Charlie Eastwood, not the actor. Jeez. Porsche's fourth and fifth with Proton Competition and Iron Dames. And that's how it is in uh, LMGTE. The 54 Ferrari was the only car not classified that finished the race. And we had retirees from the 50 Ferrari, the four. Number four, a uh, Void Van Wall car that crashed. Um, the Penske Porsche um, that had a power issue. And the three Cadillac that had an awful crash. Luckily, Ranger van der Zand was able to walk away from that. And Vector Sport um, out after 14 laps. Let's just take a look at the World uh, Championship standings real quick. As their pre-Lama rehearsal is all done in the World Championship. There is a team championship in Hypercar. It only counts towards the customer team. So Hertz Team Jota earned their points with them alone in those standings. In the um, World Championships for Hypercar Endurance Drivers... It is the trio of Brennan Hartley, Rio Hirakawa, and Sebastian Buemi who lead with 
71 points. Their teammates of Jose Maria Lopez, Kamei Kobayashi, and Mike Conway are in second with 66 points. In third place is a trio of Antonio Fawoko, Miguel Molina, and Nicholas Nielsen at 42 points. In fourth place is the Cadillac trio of Alex Lynn, Earl Bamber, and Richard Westbrook. And in fifth place is the second Ferrari trio of Alessandro Piacquiti, Antonio Giovinazzi, and James Collado. And the World Championship for Hypercar Manufacturers, after three races, Toyota lead it clearly with 90 points. Ferrari in second with 57 points. And it's a close one for third between Porsche and Cadillac, 42 points. Cadillac at 40. Peugeot at 19 points. Glickenhaus with 12 points. And Van Wall still looking for double digits as they are sitting at six points. So the 24 hours of Le Mans is coming. It's now the next race of the year for the World Endurance Championship. For many of these teams and drivers, um, they still will go through a lot of endurance racing, even some who will run this weekend's 24H Creventic Series race, the 12 Hours of Spa, this weekend. Others may be getting ready for the Nürburgring 24 Hours that come at the end of the month. Some will go back for IMSA racing at uh, Laguna Seca in Monterey, California. All in all... The manufacturers are now getting ready to focus on tunnel vision for the 24 hours of Mont, and I think this is when it gets really fun to watch. Um, just as a racing fan, it always gets exciting when it's uh, time for Le Mans. I already went through my my uh, Le Mans discussion. Uh, I'd like to just go through it one more time. <clears throat> The 24 Hours of Le Mans. It will be the 91st running of the race, and more importantly, the 100th centennial anniversary of the first ever 24 Hours of Le Mans, which was held in 1923. This race is so important for everybody involved, and for the uh, cars that are involved, the, the 61 cars that are there. Or 62, I should say. There are just uh, the storylines makes this race special this year. There's just so much to talk about with so little time. Let's just get into it. Um, the Cadillac racing. We have the Cadillacs um, two from Ganassi. We have the, the WC Cadillac, the IMSA Cadillac, and then Another IMSA Cadillac from the other factory team of Action Express Racing will come in from IMSA to run and make it three Cadillacs. Van Wall, the privateer team will be running. As we know, one of just two, in, or I'm sorry, three internal combustion cars from two teams. Porsche Penske Motorsport have three cars, three Porsche 963s, the two WC entries, and the one IMSA entry the 75 Porsche, which is a, signals the 75-year anniversary of the Porsche brand with a special livery on that car. That was revealed during the spa weekend. Toyota Gazoo Racing with the factory Toyota is looking to go win for the sixth year in a row. Can that happen once more? Hertz Team Joda and the Privateer uh, Customer Porsche team. We already saw them when that nice, the Mighty 38 Joda car in gold, chrome gold Porsche look. Ferrari AF Corsa with two entries from AF Corsa in the 499P. For the first time a Ferrari invested Ferrari team is coming back to the top flight racing in 50 years. Peugeot, very anticipated re-entry into Le Mans. For the first time in 13 years, the 9X8 might be at its best in Le Mans. Glickenhaus Racing with two SCG 007s. Boy, they were a fun story to watch last year. Going on the overall podium, being the first American 
car to be on the podium in almost 50 years last year. That was cool to watch. Can we see the first American car in over five decades win this race outright? There's so much to talk about. But let's get into our preview races. So this, again, we have... Um, we have Formula One in Miami. We have NASCAR Kansas. We have Formula E in Monaco. And we also have some endurance racing, the 12 hours of spa. Yeah, more spa racing. Huh. Ain't that funny? Yeah, how cook 12 hours of spa Franco shop is this weekend for the uh, third round of the Creventic 24 series. Before we get into that, um, some big news coming out of them. For the first time ever, we're going to see them host an endurance race at a street course at Villa Real just a week after the Portimao round. The six hours of Villa Real will be a non-championship race held this July. Should be fun to watch. That's what, you got to give credit to, what credit's due. The 24H series, Creventic, they always find a way to think outside of the box with their events. It's going to be fun to watch. With that, uh, let me just take a look at the entry list here. I haven't really got to check it out. I was busy with final exams, which, by the way, I am finished with. GT3, we have a, some good number. Wow, a lot of GT3 teams um, as we speak. I'm just looking at this entry list. That's a huge load. Three, two, Just over three pages. Just over two pages of full GT3 entries. Uh, Haas RT that won uh, the last round, I think it was, you know, they won a Mugello. Santillac Racing, uh, JP Motorsport, um, they're in, you got a McLaren, we got some Audis. We got some Porsches from Herbeth Motorsport, as always. Modena Motorsports running a Porsche. Land Motorsport, where the Audi team, some of these teams, are, this, is, this is the last dance before the, the Nürburgring 24. Sarah Sport, uh, Phoenix Racing. Let's go to the other page, just going through. Lyper Motorsport with their Lamborghini. Um, Hofer Racing, they run into the GT3s again. Interesting to see. Mark, um, uh, for the Krull team, they're running Mercedes. Heart of Racing Team running the SPS-built Mercedes. By the way, they're going to take over the... Uh, Northwest AMR, Aston in uh, WC. Land Motorsport, another entry. Just going out of the order here. MP Racing with Mercedes. Juta Racing, a Lithuania team. Yeah, I remember them. They actually have two cars and, and two Audis at that. CP Racing, a familiar uh, name in 24-8 uh, series competition. E2P Racing from Spain. And that's it for the... Uh, for the uh, GT3s. I'm just going to go down the list. A huge entry list. Probably the biggest list since the Dubai 24, usually. GTX Class, which is the, the custom GT cars. We have a nice entry list on that one, too. Um, Vortex with two cars. Remember, they got to win in GTX last time. Good for them. It's always a fun team to watch. 9 und 11 racing in a old uh, Porsche Cup car, which is the 991 uh, type that no longer is FIA certified to run in the Porsche Cup because it's now 992. We have a Super Trofeo Lamborghini from Artie Signs uh, Racing Team. PB uh, Racing coming out with a Lotus Exige V6 Cup R. On the watch, an Italian team, British car. Three more teams. Uh, an Audi TTRS from Land Motorsport. Interesting. VDS Racing Adventures with a Mark II V8. So it could be a Mazda look, could be a Ford Mustang look, could be anything, any kind of look. And then GT3 Poland from uh, Poland with a, another Super Trophy. That's going to be a competitive class. Um, it be interesting to watch, see how that plays out. Obviously, we know the Porsche 992 Cup class is going to be competitive. I'm just looking down the order here. Uh, we have entries coming from Redont Racing, which we've seen them do very well before. Coming out of Belgium, this is a home race for them, for the Redont family, their team known as Red Ant Racing. Red Campbell Jordan's not NL from the Breakers family coming out of uh, the Netherlands. 
always a threat to watch. Uh, HRT performance. <clears throat> Villy Motorsport by Ebby Motors. I got to meet those guys at the 24 Hours of Sebring back in 2021. Rob Dom Motorsport. And no drivers announced, but they are still in the entry list. Um, another Redont Racing car. Um, there is an AM class subdivision in this one. Black Falcon, Team Techstar with two cars here. PK Carsport from the NASCAR Euro Division. HRT Performance with more entries. Um, Speed Lover. And Porsche Baltic from Lithuania. GT4s, how many do we have here? We had some pretty good numbers of cars. I like the quantity of cars in each class here. Uh, the GT4 class, we have Atlas BX Motorsport with a Mercedes Zwift Racing Team and a Toyota Supra GT4. Bugira ZM Racing uh, and a Mercedes. PCR Sport and a Mercedes. We got Line Speed and a Porsche Cayman. Um, an M4 with Senker Motorsport from Czech Republic and TCL Motorsport by AR Performance in an M4 coming out of Belgium. A lot of local teams here. I like what I see. And finally, we get a nice TCE division with uh, cars from the TCR class. Cupra Leon competition uh, from Hungar Motorsport. Wolf Power Racing with two cars, two drivers each. Um, they're Audis. RS3s, TCR. Um, let's take a look at rail equipped by Talk Car Sport. So Talk Car Sport has a Cupra from Spain. That's about it. And then we have the, the custom TC class, TCX. The 7-way Cayman coming out of Sorg Ren Sports. Rumble Racing by BMW. Vanderhorst, an M2, and, and another M2 from Hofer Racing by Bonk Motorsport, a fixture in that class in TCX. So I'm just going to go through my class winners. Who do I have for these uh, categories in the 12 hours of Spa Franco Shop? Um, for the overall one in the GT3 class, this is a tough one, but um, I think it's going to be competitive. I think it's going to come down to one of those Owies from either Phoenix Racing or Land Motorsport. Maybe Cintiluk will be in there. Haas RT can rule them out after that stunner they had at uh, Mugello. Land Motorsport, of course. You know, what about Leipert? But I think it's going to come down to the experience in Herbert Motorsport, number 91 Porsche, of Robert Renauer, Alfred Renauer, the owners and twin brothers, Ralph Bone and Daniel Allman. They've just been so tightly knit as not just the team, but as the drivers in their chemistry. So they're going to win this one outright. In the GTX class, um, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the RD Signs uh, Racing Team Lamborghini Huracan Super Trofeo, winning that category. Porsche 992 Cup is gonna be very competitive. Expect some great racing coming out of there. Um, this one will be close, but I think that chemistry is gonna play the biggest role here, and I think it comes out of the Breakers family. The 909 Carver Camel Jordans.nl will win the Porsche Cup 992 class. Um, GT4 class, another great quantity of cars um, with some interesting backgrounds within the drivers that we see here. Um, but I think for this one, you know, the uh, GT4 class will be one by uh, Atlas BX Motorsport in their uh, Mercedes-AMG GT4. In the uh, TCR class in slash TCE category, I think they're, they're going to win the, the division as well. <clears throat> it's going to be Wolf Power Racing uh, with Marcus uh, Menden and Rob Huff. Um, Rob Huff is just so good on the touring cars. Even though it's a two-driver combo, might be more exhausting. I think that, you know, a guy like Rob Huff is someone you want to count. So, Wolf Power Racing with their Audi in car 117. TCX class, two entries. Um, I'm going to go with the Rensport in the 227 car. 
with uh, Stigler, Wagner, Heikenberg, and Gruter in their Porsche uh, 718 Cayman. And obviously, TCX will be home for racing by Bonk Motorsport. It's, it's a single car class, but you know what? It's going to be so fun to watch. Spa is a great track. I just can't get enough of watching the racing there. Um, now, here are the fans get to go in there for cheap. The Miami Grand Prix is back. And as for someone who I got to enjoy watching that one live, the inaugural running, I'm going to come up with my podium predictions. Hear me out. Well, I think Max Verstappen's going to win this one. The fan favorite was by far Sergio Perez. Though it might be in the hands of Logan Sargent, we know he's not going to really have the best car. It would be a nice story if he gets points. First American in points in almost 30 years and gets it in, a, in his home race in Miami. That'd be cool. But I'm going to say Sergio Perez wins this one. Max Verstappen comes home in second. And Fernando Alonso is going to make it a really cool podium that I wish I could have seen last year. But you know what? I'm just damn lucky enough to even be in an F1 race. So if you're going to Miami Grand Prix, have a great time. But please stay hydrated. Hydrate yourself. Do not let dehydration win this battle. It was tough just for race day and the entire weekend. I feel bad for the guys that had to be there all, you know, the, from Wednesday to Sunday in that kind of conditions. And water was expensive. I spent over $50 just on waters on the day I was there. I remember I had to take another full day to recover from it. Anyways, um, Formula E at uh, Monaco, I'm going to go ahead and say that Sergio Sete Camaro is going to win this one. Um, as for NASCAR at Kansas, we have Cup, we have the trucks, we have the Arkham NAR Series National Main Division. Um, deal with the Dog 200 for the Wheel of Modified Tour. I'm going to go with uh, Doug Kobe on that one. As for Arca, Jesse Love will win again. He will take over the points lead. Sorry, Frankie Muniz. Let's be real. Truck Series at Kansas. I will say Ben Rhodes will have the experience to come out of this with a win and really get himself even more fierce as a championship contender like he was back in 2021. As for the Cup Series, we know last year was swept by 2311 Racing. First by Kurt Busch, and then by Bubba Wallace. They have a great program there. So I will say that Tyler Reddick will get his second win this year at Kansas Speedway. But you got to look out for threats like Kyle Busch, like Denny Hamlin, like William Byron, who keeps leading laps this year, and of course, Kyle Larson. He's good at these mile and a half, too. If this is the last podcast of the semester, which I believe it is, because I'm going to be out of town anyways, I want to say thank you very much to all of my listeners here at Owl Radio, um, at FAU, and to my partners at World Racing Media. This has been a great joint effort to have me on here and do this podcast. Um, I want to thank my buddy Steve Rada, uh, Herbert Salmon. Uh, some other friends along the way. My co-host, Dirada. Um, he and I, we went to some great events this year. We were at the Rolex 24. We were at the Super Sebring weekend. Uh, we were at Homestead last fall. And make some more great memories down the road. And I just want to uh, say before we go, good luck to my boys at Owls Racing. Um, these guys, and I'm glad to be part of this team, you know, because I get to see it along the way, having, you know, been through this process last year, seeing the sunset and the sunrise from the race shop. That's ultra dedication doing this while having jobs, while having classes, while having a life, putting this race car together. That takes some guts, some effort, and a lot of hard, dedicated work. Let's get that car out to Michigan and let's kick some ass. Anyways, thank you all for such a great semester. If this is it, this is my thank you to you. Congratulations to all of our graduates in class of 2023 at FAU. 
and I will definitely be back here in the fall. This is it for the spring. Signing off here at Owl Radio, I'm Joe Lanny Pavlon. This is the Blow Yell Line podcast. Have a good one. Owl Radio is FAU's student-run radio station streaming worldwide on FAUOwlRadio.com. We have shows, DJ on-campus events, give away free concert tickets, and more. Make sure to check us out on social media at FAU Owl Radio.